0: Hello and welcome to Robots in Your Eyes, a podcast looking at vintage cartoons through the eyes of people now way older than the intended target audience, but still very much captivated by those glorified toy adverts that we love so much. I'm Jason Thompson. And I am Stephen Alexander. Hi Steve, a pleasure to be
1: back again. Yeah, here we go, two in a row for us. This is uh, getting to be a bit of a run now.
0: But, uh, you know, we can't hang around long. We're going to have to make tracks soon because that's the episode we're talking about today.
1: Yeah. So this is a similar episode title to Changing Gears, isn't it? Where they've taken the name of one of the Transformers, done a weak pun and made an episode about them.
0: Yeah, pretty much. But, you know, Tracks isn't a bad character to do an episode about. I think he's he's popped up a couple of times, had a couple of lines. We've got a vague idea of his character, but uh, yeah, let, let's spotlight him for a while. Yeah, yeah, he's
1: one, of, he's one of the more interesting new boys. So, yeah, so this one's written by David Wise, and it's
0: taken us back to somewhere we don't want to go, somewhere where we've been before. Somewhere we've been before, indeed. We're in New York again. <laughs> um, so after uh, two episodes in a row with not a single human being anywhere in them, we're now smack in the middle of a big city with loads and loads of signs. I'm sure New York doesn't actually have that many signs and illuminated things as, as it appears to have in this episode.
1: Yeah, and there seems to be like it's uh, as from the, on the showing of this episode, New York seems to be full of hotels and lidos, and pretty
0: much that. Oh, there's so many lidos. What? Yeah, but it doesn't matter because we very quickly go away from the middle of New York City into some dingy back alley. Uh, And in case we're in any doubt that this cartoon is from the 80s, we immediately come across two punks who are very, very 80s punk.
1: This is exactly what you're talking about when you think of a punk or what I think of as a punk anyway from the 80s, where they had amazing pink mohawks and crazy hair and leather with spikes and studs and all sorts. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, I was I was looking at the two punks you meet initially and thinking, ah, oh, they they could be bebop and rocksteady,
0: pre mutated <laughs> bebop and rocksteady. There was something vaguely familiar about them when I was watching it. I'm thinking I can't quite put my finger on it, but I think you've nailed it. Yeah, bebop <laughs> and rocksteady. So what at they are point, doing? These punks? Yeah. Well, at this point, they uh, they come across a rather fancy looking sports car. Uh, it's blue and it looks very familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, they uh, they break into it and it's even better. It's got a fancy boom box in the back seat and they don't stop to think how incredibly suspicious it is that a high end sports car with a big, expensive boom box would just be abandoned in a back alley in New York. Um, they just drive it off.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's clearly police bait, isn't it? Absolutely. But that doesn't bother these punks. They're not the smartest tools in the box.
0: No, um, this is a this is a a, a police uh, operation to catch the low-hanging fruit in the criminal underworld of New York City I think (laughs) because they uh, they drive it to meet the guy who's going to give them lots of money for it yeah and then of course they transform because it is in fact tracks and blaster yeah but on the way they get blaster to play a new bit of 80s generic rock music that we haven't had before they do and it's a better piece of 80s generic rock music if you ask me as well
1: Yeah, it feels a bit more better put together, doesn't it? I like it also because they press stop and we immediately launch into a standard bit of Transformers music about halfway through, like the incidental music was going on in the background (laughs) all the time.
0: Yeah, that was a nice touch. That was a nice touch. Well, Trax and Blaster grab the two punks and the other guy tries to run away, but approaching his hideout is a large red truck. (laughs) yeah of course it is optimus prime with the police in tow so the
1: Autobots are genuinely helping the police at this point they are involved with the law enforcement authorities of earth and because the policeman says our crime busting program
0: is a big success thanks to your help yeah it's your uh, help yeah That's it's It's straight after all these episodes of the Autobots having remote headquarters and hardly ever interacting with humans. Now they're actually deliberately interacting with the law enforcement, which is uh, it could be signaling a major change in the emphasis and the premise of this entire series. Oh, I wish it was. Or it could just be that that's what the idea was for this episode. And you know, rather like they didn't shift it all to Titan after last week's episode, they're not going to move it to New York City after this one.
1: Yeah, I I, I kind of think New York City is very much a changed place since the events of City of Steel, and that the police are different, and everyone you know, it's got more. Yeah, there's more areas that are under repair and need repair and are damaged and so on and so forth. So yeah, so I, I think City of Steel has definitely had a, a negative effect on New York City. It has. I mean, it roughly- would be-
0: do appear to have given spark plugs some premises to work from. Now he has a garage, this is so, so he's gone from working on an oil rig to being a car mechanic. Apparently, and yeah, you know, he actually his... has a couple of cars to work on. I don't think he's working on the transformers. It looks like he might have a legitimate business going on here.
1: He's got about he's got about twenty cars and no employees. Yeah, <laughs> what is he doing? Um, also, it, this is his comic book continuity where he is a mechanic in a garage it's not his cartoon continuity so this is it's really odd that he's running a garage
0: mm, it is a bit strange also strange is that in the back of the garage behind a door is a temporary Autobot base now the Autobots are doing it the Decepticons have been doing this the whole time making temporary bases everywhere and now the Autobots are getting in on the game it's a real twist <laughs> uh, and there even seems to be a copy of Teletram 1 in this uh or at least a um a remote terminal for Teletram 1 in the back of this garage. Very useful. Well not actually that useful if you're running a
1: garage um, but yeah okay very useful if you want to look out for what the Decepticons might be up to in New York City which is what they are doing of course.
0: Which is of course what they are doing although they haven't found much in the way of Decepticon activity yet and Trax takes the opportunity to, uh, to point out that he prefers humans to basically everybody because he said humans aren't sticking the muds which is a strange way to describe your colleagues but yeah we well go.
1: He's, he's he's speaking to hoist and huffer and hoist and huffer are actually quite uh, you know they they are sticking the muds absolutely they're content to spin their wheels in their treads all day long
0: apparently so but tracks likes the city and he goes for some invigorating city air because it's getting a bit stuffy which doesn't go terribly well for him really, because he immediately encounters some more car thieves. These ones (laughs) are actually armed. So although he tries to get away, they shoot his tires and he crashes into a lamppost, which has the effect of crumpling up his hood, as they call it. Uh, He can't transform. Apparently, he can't call for help either. Now, this this made me raise an eyebrow a bit because we've seen Transformers taking far more damage than running into a lamppost. And Not being this incapacitated. Hey, oh yeah, no, that is that
1: is. Uh, yeah, what's going on with that? It's it's a most disturbing development. He says the fact that he's crashed into this rock hard lamppost and smashed dinked his hood. It does yeah. look, and it
0: looks pretty badly. He looks pretty badly beaten up, to be honest. He does, yeah, um, and he's quickly found um, by a chap who later on we find his name is Raoul. Yeah. But he decides he's going to take him to a garage or a back alley somewhere, fix him up and sell him. Yeah, and, he's got two yeah. two mates who help him push tracks to the to whatever the, wherever the place is. I mean, it's clearly not a garage, it's clearly just uh it's just a, a back another alley, alley somewhere, yeah. yeah. He's got two mates who help him push this really expensive looking sports car and then just clear off and are never seen again. They don't try and get in on the action at all or anything like that. Um but you know, that's just as well because that means that. Raoul can be very surprised when Trax starts talking to him.
1: This is one of the fundamentally great things that you can do in Transformers. It's when you've got a car in a garage that suddenly starts talking to you and asking you to repair it. And they they don't they've done it a few times in the comics and they've done it I think once in Transformers and possibly in one or two of the movies. They 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 don't do it that often, but it is so it's so much fun and it's so weird and interesting for, for cars to behave that way. I think I, I, this is a, a, something I always love to see when they do it.
0: Yeah, it, it is uh, good. And, of course, because you, you need, you're need you in a cartoon, you need a bit of slapstick comedy. Raoul's response is to jump and bang his head because he's under tracks at the time trying to see what's going on. And uh, there we go. Raoul, what do you think of the character of Raoul? I mean, we'll see more of him later. but
1: um, Initially, I think, uh, yeah, he, he seems... Um, I, 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 he seems like a very much. He seems like a nice punk, you know. He seems like one of those ones who's just kind of fallen into it and isn't really nasty. He's not carrying a flick knife or whatever. He's just got spray paint. He's just a kid. He's just a kid who's good at repairing cars. We've got loads of characters like that.
0: Yeah, he's he's. I believe the term "lovable rogue" is appropriate. In the as you say, he's not he's not in it for the violence or the you know or the crime in particular. He just he needs the money so. Yeah. This is a way of getting money for him, and that's what he decides he's going to do. Yeah. You know, Trax it's, isn't very happy because he's been uh, shot at, beaten up, and stolen three times. So he wants a, <laughs> a bit more, uh, saying what's going on with him. Yeah, um, he's found that the moment with Raúl where he says, "I need the bread more than I need a set of wheels, more than you need a friend." Ah,
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make friends with this car I just met.
0: Well, you know. Yeah. If Sparkplug and Spike and Chip can do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Raul
0: wants to sell tracks to the Geddes brothers, whoever they are. Yeah, he does. It's uh, Something is going on, clearly. But uh, when he opens his bonnet up, of course, he finds something very weird inside because it's not a car. It's a Cybertronian robot who can turn into a car. And he just randomly, having seen this weird stuff going on, Cuts the one wire that's hanging out there, and immediately tracks goes very quiet.
1: Yeah, that's my primary wob 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 wob, wob. <laughs> It's yeah. um, so it seems to be his main brain connection is somewhere underneath his bonnet. But I liked his, I like the flashing lights under the bonnet, even though some of them were projected onto Roll's
0: jacket across. I know,
1: I noticed, I noticed oh, yeah. an animation error. I never <laughs> noticed them. I did notice <laughs> that
0: yeah there are a couple in these episodes you notice animation areas you're going to have a treat in the next episode oh, no. <laughs> but yeah. uh yeah i mean it seems rather odd that tracks has this one wire that you can just snip and that's it but then that's in the great tradition of of transformers having simple weaknesses like you know gears having one piece of circuitry that you can take out and change his personality or prowl having a bit of a knock in his whole battle computer going down him suddenly not being able to fight or anything like that so you know yes. it's, it's it's kind oh. of in the same tradition cosmos had a similar
1: wire issue in the god gambit didn't he he did he yeah one wire, one wire. And not been working yeah and that's it so yeah this this is a regular thing now. so i i, I like very much there's a previous scene where optimus prime sent power glide and cosmos talk of the devil on patrol and he said "Powerglide, cosmos i want you to do an aerial survey of the area. And Seaspray, I want you to go and have a look in the rivers. I mean, I'm glad he didn't get that the wrong way around.
0: Yes. Seaspray, go fly around and power glide, go in the river. Uh, prime.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not yes. sure what
0: we want to, what's going on there. Um, but uh, Seaspray, yeah, Seaspray, we have a bit of a bit with Seaspray and he's just zipping along, complaining about how filthy the river is and then helping someone hoik a car out of it that's been dumped.
1: It's not clear whether the guy's dropping the car in the river or pulling it out because he's kind of just there with his tow truck and the car's there and Seaspray pushes it out and he drives away. So that
0: was uh, that was another inexplicable moment in the Transformers. Yeah. Well, you want another slightly weird moment? How about the Cosmos incident where Cosmos finds uh, a fender bender on one of the roads, traffic jam and everything, and we pan across the traffic jam and find that Hoist and Huffer are stuck in the traffic. And Hoist is in Huffer's cab, Hoist is driving Huffer. (laughs) Hoist is driving Huffer. Hoist is a lot bigger than Huffer. First, vehicle himself. Why is he driving somebody else? Why isn't Huffer saying, "Oh, get off! Use your own wheels!" (laughs) You. I. I. I, I, It looks. I. It is it because it
1: looks great? Is it? Does it look? I don't know. Why is this happening?
0: (laughs) I have no idea. It looks bizarre. Yeah. Really, really bizarre, and as. I think it might be the only time it happens with the vehicle <laughs> Transformers. I certainly can't recall any other incident of uh, one of them driving the other. But, gonna,
1: uh, are we going to see Jazz driving Bumblebee? Are we going to see, <laughs> I don't know,
0: Soundwave driving
1: Starscream? I, are we, we going to uh,
0: Omega Supreme driving Optimus Prime? Don't, <laughs>
1: <laughs> we don't want to go down this road. It's a nightmare.
0: <laughs> no. But, you know, there's not a lot going on there. It's just... Hmm. Random things happening, which have nothing to do with the Decepticons at all. But back in the uh, back in the back alley, Raoul is having second thoughts about selling tracks because apparently they've been talking while he's been fixing him up, um, and he's starting to quite like him. He's a pretty cool guy. Yeah, he's a pretty cool guy. He is. He's- Unfortunately, his time has run out because he promised yeah. to get his brothers a car by midnight, and. It is now one minute past midnight, as the Geddes brothers themselves inform him. And these yeah. guys are your typical New York gangsters. They talk very much in the uh, yeah. very much like Fat Tony in The Simpsons.
1: It is now one minute after midnight. You're late. And they've got a really colourful clothing. Or so there's one guy. There's a bulky guy in brown, and there's a tall guy in purple for some reason they've got matching hats and beards so you can tell them they're brothers and they've got an outrageous purple I'm going to say Cadillac even though I know it's not (laughs) it's a
0: large American vehicle it is a large American vehicle indeed and uh yeah they're about to rough up Raul for not fulfilling his side of the bargain when Trax pops up and turns into robot mode and scares them off but Before they leave, they drop an interesting clue because they say, I thought these robots were on our side. Ah, that's that's such a good clue. What a clue. What a giveaway. (laughs) What a giveaway. So, yeah, Trax decides he's going to follow them. And there's a bit of a car chase going on. And then Trax pops his wings out just because, you know, have to remind remind us that he's a flying car.
1: Yeah.
0: End Ah. result is the same. They still lose the gangsters. (laughs) There we go. I
1: put out a request on Twitter today and somebody who may or may not ever listen to this podcast uh, came back with a little bit of an answer as to why tracks of all the G1 car bots has wings, right? Hmm. So they're all the, all the transformers uh, in the first generation were all based on Diaclone original toys. There's another toy line called Diaclone and a couple of other toy lines as well. It's very, very complicated. Basically they stole all these other toy lines and, and uh, all, all got the rights to them and then released them as Transformers in the colour schemes that we know and love today. Hmm. And pretty much based on real cars as well. Yeah, yeah. So Tracks is based on some kind of Corvette. I'm not very yeah. good with cars. But Trax has wings and nobody else has any feature like that. I mean, there's some guys you can put like a bit of a missile on, but even then it's it's very unusual. So why is Trax different it was the question I put out, and this guy uh, Necronometron, quite a good name, <laughs> I thought. Um, he came back, and there's an advert for these um, diaclone cars, which have a slightly different, which are a slightly different gimmick. So they're three that were never converted to transformers, and they are called the Double Changers. So they change into a car mode, and then you can see there's one that's got a car mode, it's got little wings, one that's got missiles that come out the side. Hmm. And the idea is that Trax was going to be a more expensive version of that range, and he came oh. out more or less at the same time. So that's that might be. It's all a lot of assumptions because, I, I, like, it's so confusing and it's a world away. Hmm. But it might be that he was related to these guys, and that's why Trax has wings and why he can fly, and nobody else can. Right? You know, that's that's the story
0: of Trax's wings. They're very useful. Very useful indeed very useful indeed they don't help him to actually catch these guys so uh, instead they go on a different tack and track says do you know where they keep their stolen cars oh yes of course I do oh well that's handy I'm not quite sure why Raúl would know this and why the Geddes brothers would allow anyone to know where their uh, where their base was that's that seems to be a bit insecure if you're operating under the under the radar, but there we go. Yeah. But uh, Trax decides to go undercover. An interesting bit here, which is kind of blink and you miss it. But as he says, he's going undercover. The Autobot logo on his bonnet flashes a couple of times and then disappears. Yeah. And that's then there's brilliant. a shot of him from above. Cause he also has an Autobot logo on his roof, which I think in the toy was actually is like his rub sign. <laughs> um, but on in the cartoon, he's got an Autobot logo on his roof. And again, that's vanished as well. So they, they seem to have addressed my big concern with the whole robots in disguise thing, which I've expressed before, which is, yeah, they turn into Earth vehicles with massive great faction symbols on them. But yeah. apparently they can make them disappear. Which is a very neat touch, isn't it? Because it means that you can properly
1: go undercover. Yeah. Uh, so I was thinking about the um, the stolen cars, because they take them on a boat across the Hudson to Jer- New Jersey. Jersey? New Jersey? I don't know. They can't take them to Jersey. It's too far.
0: To to New Jersey. Jersey. Yes.
1: Yeah. And um so but they're looking for missing cars. So Seaspray, whose job it is to monitor the waters, has obviously missed these boatloads of cars going back and forth that are stolen. Uh very poor on Seaspray's front. But yes, anyway, so that was that was me complaining about Seaspray. I don't know, it doesn't help anyone, does it?
0: <laughs> Not really. <laughs> there no. we go. But uh in the meantime, PowerGlide has spotted Starscream.
1: Yeah, 10 minutes in, we get our first Decepticon.
0: Yeah. And uh, then we have a totally bizarre chase sequence because Powerglide and Cosmos chase Starscream into a shopping mall.
1: Yeah. Cosmos now, gets a great line, though. He, he says, it's a really nerdy insult. He says, how do you do, Starscream? Not very well, I hope. <laughs> just, just, Cosmos is a top geek. I, I increasingly love him for all the odd things he comes out with.
0: Yeah. And the now, shopping
1: mall, the shopping mall is called Alexander, which is great. Is it? I hadn't noticed own. that. I hadn't noticed that. But yeah, there we and, go. And it's got the Man and Woman Shoes Centre, which is somewhere everyone wants to go. I, I'm always hearing about this famous New York Man and Woman Shoes Centre.
0: <laughs> I'll tell you something I did notice about this shopping mall. One is that in common with a lot of the buildings in Transformers, it's absolutely huge and cavernous. It also has the single worst lift design I've ever seen in my life. Oh, good. I'm glad you got this.
1: I was going to ask you about this lift.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The the lift uh, in this shopping mall is basically a glass tube with the lift car on a single rope at the top. There's no counterweight system that we can see. There's no tracks or anything. There's nothing to stop it from plummeting to a grisly, horrible death if something (laughs) goes wrong. It's just so bizarre. And, and that, interestingly as well, I didn't notice any way in on that glass tube.
1: <laughs>
0: it's, it's like they've missed the point
1: of a glass elevator. So they built yes. a glass tube and then put a solid elevator in it that you can't see out of. <laughs> yes. So, hang on. <laughs> What's the point of this? What's uh, the
0: point of that indeed? Yeah. Uh, it, it gets smashed, of course. It does. And of course, Cosmos rescues all the people inside it, which is lucky, really, because nothing was stopping that lift from plummeting to <laughs>
1: several <laughs> yeah. floors.
0: But never mind. Uh, there's a bit of a scrap and Starscream escapes by blasting a hole in the ceiling and flying off. And yeah. Powerglide and Cosmos, two Autobots who turn into flying vehicles, just kind of watch him go.
1: Yeah, they do. He runs up an escalator as well screen, yeah
0: they they show an amazing ability to navigate human scale steps with their massive great feet
1: (laughs) superb superb yes but they do observe that he's flown off in a southwesterly direction
0: yes indeed and Prime reckons they've probably gone to the Pine Barrens in New Jersey and the Pine Barrens is a real place oh good Um, and it crops up again in the Transformers universe because that's where Prime had the big fight in Revenge of the Fallen where Megatron killed him.
1: Oh, oh, I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, Lord.
0: Oh, no. Oh, dear. Spoiler. Octopus Prime dying is not a spoiler, though, is it? Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but it's
1: when he dies, and when he comes back, and when he dies again.
0: Well, I haven't told you that. I've only told you where he dies. (laughs) at some point in
1: some film that i will probably get around to eventually so yes so yeah. the the pine barrens has a very sci-fi looking building in it i wonder
0: what that could be could it be a temporary decepticon base perhaps
1: <laughs> they usually are aren't they, they and mean, the, who are the
0: guinness brothers working with they're working with megatron of course and they've delivered 500 stolen cars now there's a couple of things about this that Caught my eye and my ears and my eyes on this one. First is that they have had all those cars driven up to this Decepticon base by a bunch of accomplices who are remarkably trusting <laughs> because they basically said, "There you go, get in the bus, go home, and uh, we'll pay you when we get back." <laughs> Would you really, really take that from a couple of criminal underworld people? <laughs> we'll pay you later. Oh, okay, fair enough. And the other thing that made me raise an eye on this is like so that means that 500 cars have been stolen in new york and the police have no clue what's going on <laughs> a mere 500
1: cars not only that not only that the Guinness brothers asked for a million bucks from megatron for this work right how many how much is that per car and would it have been cheaper just to buy the cars in the first place
0: That's $2,000 per car.
1: Oh, okay. That's a bit... That's
0: quite cheap. That's not too bad. Anyway, Megatron, of course, is not going to give them a million dollars. He doesn't have a million dollars. Why would he have a million dollars, Jason? Well, quite. (laughs) What he does give them is a short blast from a fusion cannon. But, of course, this being uh, the 1980s Transformers cartoon, uh, he just scares them off rather than vaporizing them interestingly um one of the Geddes brothers pulls a gun on Megatron and shoots him and it appears to be a laser gun even though it looks like an ordinary human gun it makes laser noises and fires bright red energy bursts well there's no safety reason for
1: that because we've seen real guns haven't we when the cowboys came through the time warp and they were
0: definitely firing real revolvers
1: they were, um, although they
0: did make it. laser sound effects as well for some oh, okay. bizarre reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> don't maybe. Don't mind. Uh, yeah, but Trax and Raoul have followed, and of course Trax wants to find out what's going on. They're loading all the cars onto a conveyor, so Trax joins it, and for some reason, nobody notices that this high-end Corvette which <laughs> sticks out like a sore thumb is on the end of the um, runway, but never mind. It hasn't got an Autobot badge. It's fine. No, but they do find that the Constructicons are in there, and they yeah. are converting the cars and converting appears to mean hacking them to pieces with a large sword.
1: Classic Constructicon style. It's Scrapper at work, isn't it? He's got a, he's, he's just literally got
0: one big sword and he's chopping them as they come through. Yeah. It's not even a lightsaber like when they dismantled Optimus Prime. It's an actual sword. <laughs> <laughs> Trax, of course, doesn't want to be cut up but at that point, Raul's dodgy repair of his single connecting wire fails and he's immobilised. So Raul realizes that Trax is in danger, and you know this is this is where we know that he's a he's a he's a good guy really because he jumps out and has a go at Megatron. Says, "Give me back my car."
1: Yeah, yeah. So he's he's mouthing off at Megatron, and his his ruse is he says he's got a bomb in Trax, and that oh he's got a bomb in his car, and it will go off when uh, Scrapper tries to smash it with the sword. So, yeah, so they, he opens up the bonnet and he just does the wire back up again. You know, he puts the little bit of uh, masking tape, or whatever, uh, electrical tape around it, and it's back working again. And then Trax
0: transforms and they both leg like it. It's a run it is, for the lives. It is painfully apparent we are badly outnumbered. As Trax puts it. <laughs> and because the Decepticons can't shoot for Toffee, of course, they run away and don't get hit by a single laser shot. <laughs> Trax is a bit low on power. Yeah. Uh, he can, boy, very low on power. He can barely stand up in robot mode and Ravage and Rumble attack. But at that point, Sideswipe, Jazz, and Bumblebee rush in and rescue them. Hooray, Bumblebee. Yeah, yeah I, I Sideswipe
1: leaps into action and knocks, I think, Rumble, at, or knows Ravage out of the way at the very last moment. And mm. there's a, again, it, it's a bit odd. It's like Sideswipe's lines are half missing because he, he's a bit where he looks to camera with his mouth open and doesn't say anything, and then he's looking away, and he gets a line or something. It's it, this was a bit of a, a bit of a strange one from the animation side, but it's still nice to see the old guard turning up. It's always nice to see the old guard turning up these days.
0: It certainly is, yeah. But they take them back to HQ with Roll because Track says he's a friend, and they tell Prime that the Decepticons are converting all these cars. Just as an alarm goes off and says all these cars are heading into the city. Yeah, hundreds of Decepticon cars. Heading towards New York City. it's uh, This is actually really cool. It, it is. So Prime, Blaster and Ratchet go to the bridge to head them off. Uh, Trax, Inferno, Bumblebee and uh, Sideswipe go to the Chrysler building. Yeah, there's more cars over there. Ironhide, Huffer and Windcharger go somewhere else. And Blink and You Miss It, but they start off panning across by a movie theatre, which is showing the Transformers, the movie! <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I've missed it. We've got ages before we get to the movie. <laughs> they said, this is either just a bit of fun or some subliminal advertising for the movie that's coming up. <laughs> Definitely. I'm excited for the movie. Are you excited for the movie? I'm very excited for the movie. Oh, I was excited God. for the movie in 1986. I never got to see it. God, imagine getting to see it in New York City. Oh, that would be yeah.
1: amazing. At whatever big theater cinema they have in new york i don't know what kind of
0: do they have a famous cinema in new york oh probably i don't know what it is though because i've never been there so you know (laughs) but anyway everyone's firing at these cars and they just kind of blow up because you know they're cars but then they all transform into robots with guns (laughs) and bizarrely whatever color the car was all the robots are green and yellow (laughs) <laughs> but
1: but how how unusual and amazing to actually be surprised by a transformer for a yeah. car that you think's just a car to suddenly transform into a robot it's like oh hello
0: this is the first very first thrill i had with transformers back again briefly well megatron has clearly learned from the failure of his battle taxis in city of steel <laughs> <laughs> and they're still blowing up pretty easily but you know there, there's a lot of them yeah. but they figure out they don't have any brains which means they must be remote controlled so Blaster transmits a jamming signal and that distracts all these robots long enough for the Autobots to go and find the Decepticon base and attack it. <laughs> well, they go to the Decepticon base to attack it and destroy it. But Raul wants to prove himself and he runs in on his own to smash the controls. But of course, Megatron just grabs him yeah. and uses him as a hostage. And of course, the Autobots stop shooting because you know they can't endanger a human. But he has a secret weapon, doesn't he?
1: (laughs) Well, firstly, he knows how to open up Megatron's chest compartment. These chest compartments surely must have magnetic locks on them. Carly's been in there. They're a real weak point. So he opens up Megatron's chest compartment, and in his pocket, he's got his graffiti spray can, which is orange, which is obviously not Megatron's favourite colour. So he sprays the inside of Megatron's chest which causes Megatrons to short circuit somehow. And he falls over and drops Raoul and he's down on the floor, sparking away, Uh, which is
0: uh, what a a, a move from Raoul. That's incredible. What a move, indeed. Bizarrely, Starscream does not declare himself the new leader at this point. (laughs) No. Instead, Rumble. Rumble is the one who calls the retreat in this episode. Rumble at 20 minutes and 20 seconds. Yeah.
1: yeah, so I just, I also need to point out Prime's line when they arrive, which is, We're putting your company into bankruptcy, Megatron, which I thought was quite magnificent. But anyway, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so Rumble sounds the retreat. This is very, I, the, I like, I, maybe he's just thinking, What would
0: Megatron do? <laughs> Megatron would uh, retreat. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but at this point, Prime gives Trax the honour of blowing it all up. Yeah, no reason other than this is an episode about Trax. Yeah, well, Trax has done all the hard. He
1: found the base uh, probably pretty much on his own. He's done a good job. Yeah, and it's
0: one shot, takes it up. Huge explosion. Lovely. Yeah, lovely. Why none of the other shots that were being fired earlier did any damage whatsoever? Who knows? But there we go. But as soon as that happens, all the Decepticon drones reconvert back to cars of whatever colour they were that isn't (laughs) green and yellow. And uh, then we cut to Sparkplug's garage, which is full of cars.
1: Yes. And he's got
0: more parked in the street and he reckons it's going to take weeks. Well, I'm sure it is because you haven't got any staff. (laughs) because they want to re- turn them back into normal cars and return them to their owners. Yeah. I, he's got his usual compliment of wheel, jack, Hoist, and mm, Grapple maybe
1: helping him. Those guys, I, they've just got to scrub all the green out so that they look the right colour and they can be normal cars <laughs> again.
0: Yeah. Even they need some help. Raoul tries to leave at this point, but Trax grabs him and volunteers him to assist, but he says he'll help as well. And then they have their classic bickering moment as the episode ends. Yeah.
1: And meanwhile, out on the Hudson, Seaspray is still looking for Decepticon activity (laughs) where they left him some considerable time ago.
0: (laughs) Yes. Did anyone tell Seaspray what was going on? Or is he just having fun? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But that is the end of the episode. So who is your man of the match for that episode, Steve? Uh, Well, I've chosen Raoul, of course. Uh, I think he did very... I mean, like, he took out Megatron.
1: That is that's that's no great shakes particularly for a human i think that's that's really impressive and he's a he's kind of a fun character as far as human characters go i would i i i, I get i get the impression he comes back for another episode and i would like to he see does. him again if he joined the regular roster with chip chase and spike and spark plug i wouldn't be upset he's he's good fun
0: yeah yeah i thought so too um he's he as i said he's a a dodgy character because he's in. He's done a bit of crime. He's not. Uh, he's not above breaking the law, but he's not a bad. Not a bad criminal, if that makes any sense. Because he's, you know, <laughs> he's, he's still a criminal, but he does try and do the right thing, and he's, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's my man of the match too. So excellent. And it was awesome. good to, uh, good to get a bit of focus on one of the newer characters, and a totally different tone now that we're in the big city instead of remote headquarters and. The only humans being spike and spark plug
1: yeah i thought it was i thought it was a brilliant episode to be honest uh, i really enjoyed it i think it had a lot of a lot of fun a lot of action and i love the undercover stuff with tracks sneaking around new york and following people and trying to work out what's going on so mm. that was really good and i really i really loved the decepticon drone cars i thought yeah that's that's such a great idea we could have had a whole episode of that that would have been fantastic Uh, But typical Transformers, it's over in two minutes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I I thought it was interesting that the humans in New York are not remotely phased by the Transformers at all now until they start shooting. Yeah, yeah. Although They don't don't react at all when Hoist and Huffer arrive to sort out the crash that's happened in the middle of the intersection. Uh, They don't respond at all until someone starts firing weapons in the shopping mall. Why are there so many people in a shopping mall at midnight? It's New York, city that never <laughs> sleeps. The city that never sleeps, the
1: Big Apple.
0: Yeah, the quality of animation was pretty good. Uh, I thought yeah. there are a couple of, uh, you know, a few cliches because we're in New York, so we've got to have a few cliches like the dingy back alleys and the New York gangsters. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but, that's
1: uh, it's what you expect. It's it's got to be done, hasn't it? So yeah, so about also as a reminder of what everyone thought punks looked like in the eighties. I think it's very useful. And some, I think there are probably some punks who did dress up to that extreme.
0: Oh, I um, think there were some, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, but no, I, I really thoroughly
0: enjoy our episode. Bit of a winner. Nice and down to earth. Nice and down to earth, yes, indeed. Uh, surely this trend will continue with the next episode. Shall we find out? If we have to. So our next episode is called Child's Play, written by Beth Bornstein. Not a name I recognise. Nope. Uh, Not
1: one we've had before. She has written for G.I. Joe, Gem, and Batman the Animated Series.
0: So she has some experience of writing animated series. She got more work after this. Amazingly. (laughs) And... After um, a fairly down-to-earth episode that we've just had, we start with what appears to be a reasonably down-to-earth episode, except it's really a bit bizarre, because we go to a baseball stadium with the Decepticon Space Bridge right in the middle of it. Oh, Megatron. Oh, Megatron. You're living your best life, aren't you, Megatron? <laughs> and yet the stadium is full of people. literally all the players are on the on the pitch there the spectator stands are rammed with people the uh the manager of the stadium is respectfully asking that they be allowed to play now did the decepticons march into this already packed baseball stadium and set stuff up in which case why didn't anyone run away Um, did the people come in and think the space bridge was just a fancy pre-match decoration Did the space bridge just appear in the middle? Uh, We've had this conversation before, haven't we? The the space bridge that brings the space bridge.
1: (laughs) It is impossible to imagine what happened
0: one minute before this episode starts. (laughs) It's just, it's just such a totally bizarre premise that it starts. Megatron's first line seems like it's been cut and pasted the wrong way round, because what he says is
1: since the humans are so eager to play. This stadium
0: will make a perfect space bridge. Why don't you accommodate them?
1: Yeah, uh, there's a couple of edits in this that are also very odd coming up. I've made a note of a couple of them. It's, it's a
0: very strangely cut together episode. And that's not the only thing that's strange about it. It's not the only thing that's strange about it. The strangeness continues as Thrust loads his gun full of baseballs and starts shooting them at the players. Yeah, Soundwave r- picks up one of the players and tells Thundercracker to think fast as he tosses him across the uh, across the pitch. Oh, Jason, you, you completed the three there because I've got
1: he 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 says Skywarp, think fast, and throws it to Starscream. <laughs> so um, the fact that you said Thundercracker means we got all three in there, so I'm very happy about that.
0: Well, Starscream transforms into jet mode and scoops up two of the spectators from the stands and carries them on his wings. It, this is actually. I'm not quite sure whether they're playing it for laughs, but the Decepticons are actually being really sadistic at this point. I love it. Plus, possibly more so than we've seen before. Be- before they've they've threatened humans or they've been totally indifferent to the humans, but now they're playing with them. Yeah. We've got um, rabbits yeah,
1: Rabbit chasing a runner around the field as well. I absolutely yeah. love love the, the Decepticons being mean and nasty. And they're not actually, I mean, again, they're not actually just killing all the humans. They are mucking about with them and playing with them. It's, I I absolutely love them when they're in this mode.
0: Yeah. But, you know, if you want to look at it from the human's point of view, this is possibly the most horrific thing we've ever seen them do because it's absolutely (laughs) terrifying for everybody. I mean, if you were suddenly scooped up on the leading edge of the wings of an F-15 jet, I think you'd be a bit, uh, I think you'd need new trousers after that. you
1: know. <laughs> do everything I, I think i might have left the baseball stadium a little bit before we got to this point <laughs> I it, probably you
0: would yes yeah. and then when the autobots come in oh dear it just goes completely bananas uh starscream drops his humans and inferno deploys a magic net from his ladder yeah his unexpected net <laughs> <laughs> unexpected net what's also unexpected is just how bouncy it is because those humans are bouncing around for ages after they fall on it they just <laughs> we remember that uh, brawns and soundwave have a bit of a beef because they quite often have a, a battle yeah and uh, this time brawn wins because he grabs soundwave by the ankles and hurls him across the pitch
1: yeah no lines for brawn but an ultimate victory i think soundwave is not going to go anywhere near Brawn in future
0: after this no and then we get one of the first examples of some of the uh, duff animation in this episode. So we've had animation of varying quality in episodes up to now. And I think we commented that the animation on roll for it was particularly low. This one's quite interesting and and. I don't want to say unique because I'm sure similar problems happen elsewhere. But this one is weird in that the quality of the images is actually pretty good. The animation of the characters is is generally pretty good. But the layering has been utterly cocked up on several occasions. (laughs) So in this instance, Optimus Prime raises his arm and says, Strike two, and his arm is layered over his head, which it definitely should not be from the angle we're looking at him in.
1: Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, but also, also, we get Thrust saying to Bumblebee, try my rocket balls, shorty. Which is <laughs> a top, top, horrendously double entendre line. It might explain Leader One's scorched flaps when he's involved with Thrust's rocket balls.
0: <laughs> anyway. Moving uh, rapidly totally onwards. But, um, yeah, so there's a bit basically- of layering issue. Basically, there's a bit of a fight, um, and at one point, Perceptor is trying to deactivate the Space Bridge. If they can figure it out, he can deactivate the Space Bridge. With the help of Trailbreaker, for some reason. <laughs> yes, uh, probably because we just haven't seen Trailbreaker for a while, so they have to remind yeah. him that he's, he's there. Um, but in the course of this battle, several of the Transformers have ended up inside the Space Bridge. Megatron has just been hurled out of it. And he blasts the controls, which doesn't seem like the most sensible thing to do, as all this does is activate the space bridge. Oops. A Trailbreaker should have force fielded that. He should have had a
1: force field ready, Trailbreaker. You've done it on short notice before. I'm very disappointed in you, Trailbreaker.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's somewhat bizarre. What I do like is that they remember that activating a space bridge causes all sorts of uh, wind and debris and chaos. So you get that effect going on. And then Megatron is horrified to discover that everything has gone. Everyone who is inside the space bridge and all his energon cubes have disappeared.
1: Yes. And the crowd cheers. Yes. <laughs> so any, the few people who are left alive in the stadium are all going, hooray, at this, of uh, yep. reasons. I, I, But I did, I, again, I really liked the space bridge send off effects. So I like the, Sort of transwarp tunnel they go through uh, when they're getting blasted through to wherever they're, the transformers get blasted through to wherever they're going. I thought that was really good.
0: Yeah, that was good. So, Prime, Inferno, Bumblebee, Smokescreen, and Perceptor, along with Soundwave, Starscreen, Ravage, and Thrust, and a whole pile of Energon cubes, have ended up somewhere. Somewhere. A mystery. And, of yeah. course, we get the usual, each side thinks the other is responsible. Yeah. Um, this place they arrived, I really liked the way it was drawn initially because
1: the backgrounds were all out of focus, which made it look huge, and it made the Transformers look oddly out of scale, which is sort of like really important for later on. It, it You just got that impression that they looked smaller than normal. I thought that was quite clever.
0: Yes. Yeah, it was. Um, there were quite a few little... Little shots like that. And then, where are they? Well, Starscream backs into what looks like a giant die. Dice? Yes, dice. Uh, And it turns out to be a massive jack-in-the-box, and some weird alien thing leaps out of it. He shoots it, and nothing happens to it. And then a few balls fall off a nearby surface, and one of them lands on Starscream. And it's massive, this thing. Massive. Pins him to the ground, and they wonder if it's if uh, if it's if it's alive, if, if it's metal, mechanical. Perceptor doesn't even think it's self-motivated, and it appears to be quite squishy, so Starscream appears to be buried under a rubber ball. And then Soundwave gets chased by some weird giant alien cat thing.
1: Yeah, now he knows how it feels to have Ravage set on someone. Yes.
0: That time he got a taste of his own medicine... Thrust yeah. ends up being swiped into what appears to be a giant fish tank, and attacked by a giant fish.
1: Yeah, the crazy piranha thing. Uh, these are all uh, these are all weird looking. So it's a weird looking cat. It's very sci-fi. It's kind of nineteen fifties sci-fi in a way. Nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties. I thought. It's
0: yeah, with the big fun. round eyes with no pupils yeah. or anything in it, and it's yeah, it's quite uh, it's quite a, quite a fun looking character actually. Quite a fun looking cat. Yeah. Um. Ravage gets grabbed by what appears to be some kind of plant and the Autobots take advantage of this, load the Energon cubes into Prime's trailer and head off. And I love this bit. I love this bit. I laughed at this bit because Optimus Prime gives the command transform and roll out and they all do, including Perceptor. <laughs> At last! <laughs> yeah. Perceptor transforms into microscope mode about the same scale as his robot mode, doesn't shrink, and then he just Drives off with the other Autobots. (coughs) All these weeks I've been saying about Perceptor not
1: trundling along with the other Autobots, and finally, (laughs) someone grasps the nettle by the thorn. Uh, I thought Optimus Prime was being rather callous here, actually, because he doesn't want to help the Decepticons. He just wants to nick the Energon and run off. And that's very much from Megatron's playbook, in my view.
0: Yep, can't argue with that. But then we go back to Earth. And for no readily apparent reason, the entire space bridge explodes. Yeah, bad news for the uh, owners of the sports stadium as well, isn't it? Bad news for Megatron, who appears to have simply disappeared. (laughs) Good news for Ironhide, who's now in charge of the Autobots. Yes, and gives the command of transform and roll out. They want to go back to Teletram 1 to figure out where the others went. Yeah, I
1: suppose that's all you can do at this point.
0: Yeah. Back on this wherever the other Autobots are, the Autobots go into a, a badly constructed building.
1: Yeah. A sort of weird castle, uh, very bright colours.
0: Yeah, made windows. of big bricks. Yeah. Prime says, you won't believe this. <laughs> and a giant hand reaches down to grab Starscream. A yeah, giant a gi- three-fingered hand. Three a giant green, green hand. three-fingered hand.
1: Green, three-fingered hand. Those are the main points. It's not any old hand.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's green and it's got three fingers. It's very scary. It's very scary. But it turns out to be a giant alien boy. Oh, dear. And he thinks he's found some nice new toys to play with. Um, He gathers up the Decepticons, which goes about as well as you'd expect. He ends up tying thrust to a piece of string after snagging with a net. Oh, that was great. Actually, I did like that. (laughs) did enjoy that. And he puts Ravage in a cage with a weird elephant rat cross thing. And they end up running on the wheel, which I thought was quite entertaining. (laughs) Yeah, so it's a little mean punishment for all the Decepticons. Yeah. Puts Soundwave in a box. Starscream runs into the building set and finds the Autobots. And he shoots at the Energon cubes. (laughs) Starscream, what are you doing? Starts a fire in the little building set. Yeah. They grab the rest of the Energon cubes and rush out and Inferno douses the fire. <clears throat> he's been he's been good value these last two episodes I swear, you know. I mean like he's had plenty of fires to put out. Yeah. Starscream just sort of staggers out of the building covered in foam. Now, we know the Decepticons are susceptible to fire retardant foam from a previous episode. <laughs> so maybe that was why Starscream looked a bit uh...
1: yeah, on these grounds Inferno is also Is also now the most powerful transformer ahead of Laserbeak and Devastator and Optimus Prime. Inferno is potentially, if he's got that far retardant foam,
0: there's no chance he's gonna win. So, yeah, anyway, yeah, but uh, yeah, the boy picks him up, tells him that
1: was very, very bad,
0: and puts him in a box. And then he starts talking to the Autobots. And Optimus Prime introduces the Autobots well, almost all the Autobots, yeah. He completely fails to mention Smokescreen at all. (laughs) And Smokescreen, in fact, as you watch this episode, pops in and out of existence. And sometimes they seem to forget that he's supposed to be there. He isn't actually named at any point, mentioned by name at all. Doesn't actually do much either. And I'm wondering if he was added later to tie into a future episode, because this is one of the Transformers series continuity snarls. Because there is another episode that comes up which clearly follows directly narratively from this episode and features smokescreen very heavily. Ah, uh, okay. Yes. But there are two more episodes in between it. In between that oh. and this one. So it kinda of gets a bit messy. I think continuity is not worth
1: worrying about, although it is yeah, it is odd that he, he he's kind of there and not there. And it's, it's, it's disappointing as well. It's a continuity snarl. Oh, that's
0: big continuity slag or a big continuity grimlock. Sorry. <laughs> Carry on. Generally speaking, I mean, continuity isn't a thing that they worry too much about because, yeah. as with most of these series, what they wanted you to do is be able to watch any episode in any order because you just enjoy the half hour of fun with your favourite toys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's odd that they clearly deliberately made an episode that follows this episode and then stuck it on a bit later on in the series <laughs> it's just kind of very very odd indeed but then uh, what happens next <clears throat> what is what does every boy who's in the middle of playing with his toys dread his parents come home oh no his mum and dad oh dear his mum and dad come home and they say aren't you a bit old be making this stuff up and,
1: uh, yeah, because he's got his uh, his model house has caught fire, and he blames immediately blames the Decepticons.
0: Yes, well, and of course we're treated to the usual sceptical parents. <laughs> it's like the viewer knows that he's telling the truth, but of course the parents don't believe him because you know why would they? Yeah but he's got a couple of things to show them because he can show them Ravage and he can
1: show them the other ones. And uh, he shows Ravage to his mum and she's like, get that disgusting creature out of my face.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, so there's a bit of a an altercation with the Decepticons. Um, one point, I think he gets Soundwave out of the box and Soundwave shoots him. And he says, ow, he bit me. <laughs> which is like no he clearly did not bite you <laughs> i don't know quite why you uh why you go for that i mean never mind yeah but, but this his is... parents decide they're going to call the authorities yeah this is obviously like when you've got like uh if you've captured some
1: spiders i suppose you can do this in places like australian america if you capture a spider or a snake in your room say look Mom, i've caught a snake or something i was playing with my toys and i caught this wild animal in my room and obviously your parents are not very happy that you've got whatever creature it is in your room. Yeah, so they they contact the authorities because he's got these weird little alien robots.
0: Yeah. Quick pop back to Earth, back in the Ark. Chip has popped up for no readily apparent reason, um, because apparently the Autobots can't operate Teletraan 1 very well without Chip. And Chip can't operate very well without Spike standing next to him, not saying anything. Well, Spike—he doesn't get a line, and we don't even get Spike's face in shot. So I reckon it's actually Spike's stunt double today.
1: <laughs> um, Spike's still on holiday.
0: Spike's <laughs> on holiday somewhere, so his stunt double is coming. Just stand next to Chip for a while, so he, you know we don't. <laughs> could be anyone in a, it. Could be anyone in that outfit. It's some kind of worker. Yeah, it it could be anybody, but uh, apparently Chip has contacted Cybertron, and Question they're not on Cybertron now. Who has he contacted on Cybertron? Did he call Shockwave up and just? <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> Sorry to bother you, um, Shockwave, but have any of my friends popped up there lately? I don't know. <laughs>
1: well, I, I, yes, and also the only. The, oh, so the Transformers we know about on Cybertron at this point are Shockwave, useless bubblehead robot who's dead, um, and uh, is that it? Is, uh, uh,
0: Shockwave is the only one that we know of on Cybertron. And although Optimus Prime back in the ultimate doom did say there were other Autobots on Cybertron, we haven't seen any of them. And there's been no indication that they've been in contact with any of them. So who did he ask? Who knows? Things have been going on in the background that we don't know about. But basically this is just here to point out that the guys on earth have no idea where the other Autobots are. So can't help them. So, you know, don't expect any miracles to be pulled out of the hat from those guys. We're going to ignore them now for the rest of the episode. Exactly, yes. Um, Meanwhile, the authorities, and there's the only name they get. We don't get a, is it a mayor? Is it a chief? Uh, Whatever, it's the authorities. Uh, They've stapled the Decepticons down onto a table and they're going to dissect them. Yeah, like bug specimens, very much so. And they've got this guy with this red beard who's going to dissect them, this this authority fella. Uh, But Aaron's not having any of that. And he grabs the Autobots, who have been left in a box, and runs away. Yeah, he doesn't want his friends to be killed. But outside, he evades the uh, police, I guess they are, <laughs> and promptly runs into the school bully.
1: Yeah, so he managed to evade the police, but not the school bully. So this is Marty the bully, who's like yeah. a slightly bigger version of Aaron. And he is I just like... I mean, he's such an earth bully. This is such an earth society. There's no... They don't seem at all alien in the way they behave.
0: No, they're giant, and they look slightly different, but they have all the other human activities that uh, you'd expect. You have the parents, you have the authorities, you have houses, you have guns, you have school bullies, school bully eating some kind of ice lolly by the look of it. What a stick. Um, They have litter bins. Yeah, they do. Autobots jump out of the box and hide in the litter bin. Ooh, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and uh yeah so because of that the box is empty when Aaron eventually shows it to Marty so Marty just decides it's not worth bothering about and throws his ice lolly in the bin on top of the Autobots and walks away
1: yeah it lands straight on top of Bumblebee who complains about being sticky and he's covered in this green sticky stuff it's you know, oh, poor Bumblebee
0: poor Bumblebee yeah
1: Marty a Ma- uh, fact here Marty is the meanest guy in the universe
0: Marty is apparently the meanest guy in the universe, which let's face it, if you've been on the receiving end of a school bully for a long time, you tend to think of them in that way anyway. Um, Bumblebee says he should meet Megatron. <laughs> rather <laughs> overlooking the fact that from their point of view he's Megatron would be just a tiny little irritant. So I'm not sure what the what Bumblebee thinks would happen in that meeting, but never mind. Speaking of Megatron, we haven't seen him and we're not going to. So no, he ain't getting his Energon cubes back. The Decepticons, meanwhile, aren't being idle. Ravage manages to break free of his uh, restraints and freeze everybody else, and they fly off to find a way off this planet. Yeah. And Optimus Prime says, tells Aaron they have to get back to Earth. Where's Earth? It's a third planet from the sun. Where's the sun? It's one of the stars. You look at at night. Oh, like through my dad's big telescope. Oh, his dad's... What, the one that we saw outside the window earlier in the episode? Could well be... Which, as telescopes go, doesn't actually look that big, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, and Perceptor reckons that could be their ticket home if it's powerful enough. There's a lovely shot now of the Decepticons flying through the air. Well, I say flying. Ravage is running through the air.
1: (laughs) Yeah, why are they all flying in robot mode? Because what normally happens is you get them turning into jets, and then Ravage will get in Soundwave, Soundwave will get in Thrust, but no, they're all in robot mode. They're all flying and Ravage is pouring the air like he's he's flapping along. Since when has Ravage been able to fly? And uh, okay, no, I'll stop complaining about that. He's just flying. It's fine.
0: Yeah, he's flying. What the hell? <laughs> but the police have found Aaron again and he he's uh, running away from them and he tells the Autobots to hide by jumping down what appears to be a sewer grate in the, in the road. And the Decepticons follow them down there. Yeah. Punch and, up in the sewer. Uh, there's a bit of a fight in the sewer. Um, some very odd animation in the moment when Optimus Prime finds Starscream standing above a opening and Prime reaches up and a giant leg appears to kick him out of the... <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very weird. It's supposed to be Starscream kicking him, but again, somebody messed up the layering here because this giant leg just appears and kicks Optimus <laughs> Prime. <laughs> It's well, that's very, very obviously strange. how it
1: feels, yes. Yeah, so it, so the giant leg appears. Inferno blasts our screen. Prime has a punch-up with Ravage. Perceptor and Soundwave battle each other with a pencil and a ba- bent paper paperclip. Uh, oh, if you're going to
0: do a Land of the Giants type episode, you have to do a bit of a fight with some stationery or something, don't you?
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, the metal rod that Soundwave is cl- uh, carrying goes straight through Perceptor's pencil. So it proves for once that the sword was mightier
0: down the pencil apparently so That's like what sector says and uh, a giant rat thing turns up as well it all gets a bit messy but then oh surfs up there's a big wave approaching i assume somebody in one of the houses flushed a toilet or something <laughs> um, oh dear <laughs> there's a big wave coming the decepticons fly up and away the autobots jump in a broken teacup
1: yeah to escape, yeah. The Decepticons fly up through the grate, the Autobots ride out on a piece of rubbish. It's, yeah, that's that's where we are.
0: And then it's like, okay, let's walk to Aaron's house. Now we need to find a way into Aaron's house. And we've just found it. And as Prime says, here, kitty, kitty. Yeah, it's Aaron's pet cat, Nitro, who
1: was introduced earlier in the episode. Nitro the cat. Nitro the cat thing, because he's not actually a cat, but, you know, <laughs> Yeah, well, he's effective. He well, he's a
0: bit—he's a bit well behaved for a cat, isn't he? He's a bit trainable. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. But um, again, the animation is a bit odd because Aaron just looks out of the window and sees the Autobots standing on the path outside. Nitro walks past them on the path outside, and then we cut to Nitro on the windowsill with the Autobots dismounting as if they've ridden him, which was clearly the intention of the earlier scene. But they just didn't animate it that way when they when we saw them out the window. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, it's it's very messy, isn't it? Not as messy as Perceptor's explanation of how he can use the telescope to get them back to Earth. Because I, I did you get this down? <laughs> yeah,
0: I had a couple of things to say about this one. <laughs> okay, well hit me. Well, Perceptor can apparently use the energon cubes to modify his shoulder weapon into a transport beam and amplify it through the telescope. Now, I'm assuming this is some kind of magic alien technology because telescopes don't amplify things that way (laughs) round. Whoops. (laughs) Telescopes magnify things that you're looking at, but he uses the eyepiece to put his cannon in and says magnifying it through these. That's not how telescopes work and, they don't they don't even try and look for the sun first they just he just does what he's going to do with a telescope just point it any
1: old direction well prime says don't tell us about it just do it it's like
0: (laughs) we know this explanation is bobbins but we're just gonna go and do it anyway yeah and the energon cubes are in the desk drawer where they were hiding earlier aaron conveniently pulls them out for them yeah uh, and his head vanishes (laughs) Uh, Yes, another classic, another classic, although apparently uh, that was only a mistake that was on the DVD because it was corrected before the broadcast. But because the DVDs went back and used some of the earlier masters to be uh, to be created from some of the errors that were corrected for the broadcast weren't corrected for the DVDs. Ah, So everything is a hot mess. Everything is a hot mess. It's only going to get worse. (laughs) Because at this point, the the beam is ready, but the Decepticons have arrived and are holding Bumblebee hostage so that they can take the ride.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they, they, they basically won the episode now because they got Bumblebee hostage. But fortunately, Nitro the cat attacks Starscream and knocks Bumblebee away. But also, unfortunately...
0: Yeah, save Bumblebee, but that frees up the Decepticons to fly into the beam and get zapped back to Earth.
1: Yeah, so they ride Perceptor's light beam back to Earth. And um, this is the bit of the episode I did like, was their arrival back on Earth.
0: Yeah, well, it's clearly not a light beam because it must have gone faster than light. <laughs> oh, no! It faster no, than light.
1: No, it went faster <laughs> than light as well, and it's all based on light, and it doesn't... Oh. Okay, yeah, but they do be- land...
0: It has way. to be faster than light, because even the nearest star is four and a bit light years away. Ah. Okay. They clearly haven't taken that long to get back to Earth. But, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. Or well, they end up in a swamp somewhere. Uh, <laughs> Thrust is a bit miffed, because he was expecting... It wasn't quite the welcome he had in mind. And Starscream doesn't care, as long as there aren't any green monsters around, at which point he probably yeah. gets attacked by a bunch of green alligators. <laughs> <laughs> Giant alligators.
1: I mean, yes... We've got scale issues, but these alligators are enormous, and they jump on Starscream and Is going, ah! And it's absolutely brilliant. Love that bit. It is.
0: But the Autobots now are stranded, aren't they? Uh, yes. they Because that was all the Energon
1: cubes. They can't make Energon cubes on their own. Because uh, I I, I, they haven't got Soundwave or whoever makes the Energon cubes, so they're stuck. But, yep. but there is a way out of this. A way that makes perfect sense and is the obvious solution to this difficult problem and that is erin has in a drawer. what is it? a have? toy rocket a toy rocket that he's flown around the room a couple of times perceptor says he can give it
0: a couple of tweaks to make it into a working spaceship and prime again just tells him to get on with it it's just like i'm not interested in your explanations i i don't believe any of your techno babble gobbledygook just just do it and we'll see what
1: happens Prime's probably just, probably just saying, look, I am clearly extremely high. So I'm not <laughs> expecting anything to make sense anymore. Perceptor, you want to make a spaceship out of a model spaceship? Just go ahead. It's all
0: fine. It's all fine. I am sure this toy spaceship designed to fly around a boy's bedroom is entirely spaceworthy. Um, <laughs> You'll make it
1: through the atmosphere. I'm sure of that.
0: I'm sure it will be fine. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the hot mess continues because the animation of them boarding is absolutely terrible. <laughs> there have been a lot of animation errors in these episodes in this series. And some of them you can, you know, some of them are entertaining, like, you know, when the jets get miscolored. So somebody attacks Thundercracker who turns into Skywarp and complains in Starscream's voice and all that kind of stuff. That's, you know, that happens. Um you know sometimes people are miscolored sometimes there's slight issues but at this point i think they figured they almost at the end of the episode and ah screw it i'm going down the pub let's uh let's just whack this together quick because the autobots just randomly appear in aaron's hands and then they just kind of phase through the side of the rocket ship they didn't bother opening a door or anything like that <laughs> and then nitro just appears on top of it and licks bumblebee it's just it's it's awful. I mean, it's only a few seconds long, but it is by far the most clumsy piece of animation that I've seen in the series to this point. So they
1: all get in the rocket
0: ship and they say farewell, Erin, and
1: thanks for all the animation memories. Yeah, Prime is definitely, <laughs> definitely, yeah. it's definitely a fever dream from Prime. I think this whole episode. Uh, yeah. and, uh Yes, that was pretty terrible. And then, and then that's about it. Nothing else terrible happens in this episode. Have we
0: made it? Nothing else happens in this episode. The rocket launches and that's oh, it. Good. Good. That's it. So they're on their way home eventually. That's it. Yeah. The only, the only bit that was quite nice was, uh, was when Aaron says he'll miss them and Prime says, whenever you look up at the stars, you'll know that your friends are out there, which is kind of nice because you don't get the impression this kid's got many friends. Oh. So, you know, it's, it's Aww, nice to know sorry. that you know when you look up at the stars, your friends are out there. You've,
1: you've won me over there, Jason. Very okay. slightly. A little bit.
0: I like that I like that bit. Yeah. Um, but right. yeah, but that's the end of the episode. So who I, I shudder to ask really, who was your man of the match? Well, Perceptor
1: for basically rewriting the whole of science on the fly, which he does at the end of the episode. He just takes every scientific principle known to man and just says well, if I just put my shoulder cannon on it and get some Edadron cubes, I can do whatever I like in the entire universe. So well done, Perceptor. Pretty powerful stuff.
0: Uh, did you come up with anything? No, I'm I'm with you. Perceptor for working miracles with a child's telescope and toy rocket. Um, that's just <laughs> what else is there to say. Um, I mean, what a totally bizarre episode that was. I I thought we had it weird with the, with the God gambit going to an alien civilization on Saturn's moon of Titan.
1: Yeah. Could we have got Steve Walker to do this episode? (laughs) 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 I, I I really enjoyed make tracks, but and I really enjoyed the sort of precedent for this, which is the Decepticon Raider in the court of King Arthur, which is the previous weird episode where a bunch of them get transported to something a bit strange. Mm-hmm. For some reason, this one, I just thought was awful. And I can't tell you what it does worse than other episodes or why it doesn't work. I mean, is it the fact that it's an alien kid's bedroom? Is it the fact that the authorities don't... The alien race and the authorities are so poorly sketched in? Is it that the action sequences don't make much sense and are so scrappy? I mean, when they go down the sewer in short order they have a punch up with small with the pencil they get attacked by a rat there's a whirlpool there's a tidal wave and it's just like bit after bit after bit after bit and it's it, it doesn't follow on it's unengaging so maybe it's something to do with that but i i don't know it, it, i don't what did you think
0: yeah I, I it didn't it's not a favorite of mine either um, i mean there there are some positive things in it what i did like was uh, i thought it was quite fun to turn the tables after you know a year and a half at this point of giant robots and tiny humans i thought it was quite fun to switch it the other way around and make the transformers the tiny ones um and i thought it was uh it was a good showcase of how the decepticons and the autobots think and act very differently in their situations because the decepticons just are interested in self-preservation and getting out the autobots make friends basically they want to get out as well but you know in the process they'll do it by making friends and getting people to help them whereas the Decepticons will just try and take what they want and go an intriguing thought I had on it was Megatron wasn't transported Mm. if he was could he have proposed a joint venture with the Autobots to get them all home because that's the sort of thing that Megatron does sometimes when he finds himself in a situation that's totally beyond his own control and he finds himself with the Autobots in the same situation he quite often comes up and goes okay we're all screwed uh let's fix this and go back to fighting later that would be bang on character for Megatron my
1: theory for something they could have done interesting this episode would have been to take say Spike and Sparkplug with them because that three levels of scale with the little tiny tiny humans and the tiny Autobots and then the massive aliens would have been really kind of mind-bendingly interesting mm. the fact that humans would have been so small compared to these aliens
0: yeah um, interestingly yeah. the same year the Gobots did a similar kind of story of course. Um, was it better? was it better Jason? it may well have been because it was a shrinking ray yeah, uh, that made them small but it still ended up, large parts of it were set in a child's bedroom and uh, fun with oversized everyday things but this is what They didn't
1: do. It should have been the shrinking ray and they should have been in a human bedroom with a kid playing Transformers. It should have been absolutely that because that's like, that's the dream come true that the Transformers have suddenly become real and they're shooting at your parents and stinging their fingers. Why did it have to be aliens? I think just doing it as aliens makes it less fun than if they just did it in New York where all kinds of crazy stuff happens.
0: Yeah, especially as as you said they didn't bother making it a particularly alien culture. Yeah. This could be any other human town really. It's got the same basic characters sketched into it. It's the kid with the bully and the parents and the authorities and yeah. And wouldn't it have been amazing cuz they could have had the space bridge
1: there and like they can't see where all the transformers have gone. They're still there. They're just really small. That would have been ah uh, anyway. I'm so it's it's always nice to think of what
0: ifs, but um, yeah, I think there's basically there are many things they could have done with shrunken down transformers that might have been better than this episode. Yeah, and yeah, I the the animation layering issues were so poor in this episode, especially that bit right at the end. I'm convinced they were just like it's the end of the day, we're nearly done. Screw it, that'll do. I'm going home. Well, everyone's fallen asleep by that point, and they had to animate yeah. so much. You have to come up with all the new character
1: designs. <laughs> And as I say, there's that complicated bit in the sewer sequence. And lo- and and the whole bit, be- I like, I mean, oh, come on. I'd have done 20 minutes on that baseball court with the Decepticons being mean to the humans. I w- that would have been <laughs> me so happy. That would have been so cool. But uh, anyway, I, so five good minutes. And I like the initial landing where they where it's all kind of weird and you don't know what's going on. But as soon as the kid turns up for me, it's just, it's, it's not a winner sadly. So yeah. So one good one, one bad one. I I, actually, the worst one we've had.
0: A couple of strong contenders for that one. I think I'm not sure it's the worst one for me, but, uh, but yeah, I'm still, I'm still reeling from enter the Nightbird and Decepticon Raider in King Arthur's court, to be honest. So (laughs) yeah, this at least seemed like a breath of fresh air. Um, Totally pointless piece of trivia, but I spent the entire episode trying to work out where I knew the voice of that kid from, who was playing Aaron. Okay. Did you work it out? Did you I did. It's, the voice is by Mona Marshall, who also provided the voice of Red Butler and a couple of the other c- colour kids in Rainbow Bright. Oh, no. <laughs> That's two
1: episodes in a row with a Rainbow Bright connection. <laughs> <laughs>
0: i'm sure there are probably others if we go to go back but uh, it's only because i've watched rainbow bright and now gone back to transformers that i've noticed these things yeah but yeah same same actors
1: I, I the main difference is rainbow bright just makes more sense it's just more it makes more sense it's more logical it's more down to it, it you know it's got a believable world because it is magic whereas with transformers it's supposed to be scientific and it perceptor it's and just it's magic
0: oh, stop breaking science perceptor please I think they said goodbye to that when they introduced an actual blapping dragon. <laughs> Decepticon raider in King Arthur's court. I love the dragon. Okay, all right. Yes. Anyway, good. Thank you very much. But never mind. Anyway, hopefully we'll have a better pair of episodes next time.
1: Oh, hang on. I'm going to have a look at what we've got next. We never do this. We never look at what's coming up. What's coming up? So, coming up next, we have got Ah, Quest for Survival and the Secret
0: of Omega Supreme. Fantastic. Love Omega Supreme. Yeah, this is going to be good. Cool. But until then, all that remains to say is thank you for listening to Robots in Your Eyes. I've been Jason Thompson, co-hosting with Stephen Alexander. We'll be back next week. But until then, remember, crime doesn't pay. Well, unless you happen to steal a sentient transforming car and make friends with it. That was Robots in Your Eyes. You can find us on Twitter at robotsineyes, or you can email us at robotsineyes at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to give us a nice review and comment on the podcast app of your choice.